Welcome to the Coming Home Well podcast with your guest host, Tish Hevel, CEO and founder of the Brain Donor Project. Join Tish as she talks to veterans and veteran caregivers about the importance of brain donation to help researchers learn more about brain injuries and diseases that affect our veteran community. Now, here's your host, Tish Hevel. So with me today is Tim Voss, who is on the board of Gun News Warriors. Tim, welcome. Good to see you. Hello. You too. Hi. So, so you knew Brian, but only recently, right? You guys just met not that many years ago. Would you tell me again how, how you met him and how you guys came to be pals? Well, when he first moved here to San Antonio, because I've been in San Antonio since 2006. Yeah. He moved here. 2014, 2015, somewhere in there. And I met him right around 2015. He was doing an event for 22 until none, which is a veteran support group. And yeah. he, he was working, he was working for them here. So we met up, me, my wife, and another friend of mine who was a Greenside Corpsman. So a Navy doc that went with the Marines for people that don't understand that. Mm-hmm. And we, we sat around, had dinner and picked on each other like all veterans do. You know, I was infantry. Ryan was a Marine. Ryan's you know, the, the Marine ego, in my opinion, is big. I have some very close Marine friends, but they're very, they have a big ego about being Marines. And I would pick on Ryan and be like, dude, a Marine or not, I was infantry. You're still a poke. So that, that was, that was our talk because he was, he was an engineer, you know, combat engineer and some other stuff. I was like, doesn't matter. You weren't infantry. You're still a poke. So, <laughs> but no, a couple of weeks after that, Ryan called me and he's like, Hey man, I'm going to this concert. You want to go? No, not really. He said, look, I'm just going to keep bugging you and we're going to end up friends whether you like it or not. And we did. It was just hard to get schedules to match up. Yeah. Yeah. So as Ryan had a blast injury and that wound up costing him quite dearly, his family donated his brain so that more could be learned about blast injuries and and that sort of thing. You've, You've had an injury yourself. Can you tell me about it? Yeah. Well, December 30th, 2005. My home was hit by an IED. I never really thought about any kind of brain injury with it because, you know, everything's pretty visible. Burn scars. You know, I was 41.5% total body burn and 38% third degree. And then many, many years later, later, I had a seizure, which led to the diagnosis of my TBI. And then a couple of years after that, I had a stroke. A little, a little less than a year after Ryan passed from his. Wow. And... Those were all from the blast injury because of the toll it takes. Yeah, you know, and they, they've come through because when when I when I was blown up back in 2005, I had a heart attack in Baghdad, so there was damage to my heart, yeah. which I guess kind of in the rush to rehab me through the burns wasn't explored fully. So 16 years later, I had a thrombus in my heart. And the easiest way I can describe that is a little flap of skin on the inside of your heart, mm-hmm. and the blood kind of pools there. And that's where the clotted, and that's what sent the clot. That's where the clot came from that caused my stroke. And so it just kind of hung around there for a few years, undetected until yeah, until it got to that point. Because you know, I had no other symptoms. I mean, I've never had any issues being with my with my heart. Yeah. I've been an instructor for the army for the last thirteen years, outside running up and down the hills teaching brand new students. So yelling at people. Yes. From the top of your lungs. Oh yeah, yeah. There was a few times that yeah. okay so yeah so the scratchy from my voice that's there is is a leftover from the stroke is it 
Yeah, I, I, I never really got the full power of my voice back. After mm-hmm. Probably because I haven't had to use it for a year. Yeah. No, I was teleworking, and now I work in an office, so there's no yelling anymore. <laughs> no, there's no yelling anymore. But you're really lucky to come completely back from a stroke. Yes, definitely. What do they attribute your recovery? Catching it fast enough. Probably probably a lot of stubbornness and with, with the burns too. I have to credit my wife a lot for my recovery from my burns. Okay. She learned how to do all my bandage changes and everything else. Yeah. That got me out of the hospital a lot sooner than I should have for burns. Mm-hmm. As I say, it's two days in the hospital for every 1% you're burned or something like that. Really? But I was only in the hospital for 38 days. Huh. And I was 41% burned. So. so those are good numbers. Yeah, that's faster yeah. than normal. And and the stroke recovery, you think mainly because it was caught quickly? Yes. Yeah. It wasn't I wasn't I think that's that's one of the, the big differences. Ryan had his at home by himself. Yeah. You know, where I was I was out with family. We had just eaten dinner. Yeah. When my wife noticed that I was losing control of my left side and I was leaning, I couldn't move my arm right. I was slurring my speech real bad. So her and my son took me straight to the emergency room. Boy, that was fortuitous. Yes. It's like we're going, and that's how you get you know, it. Luckily, luckily, I had left. We talked about it on the phone the other day. I'm an instructor for a blacksmithing program here. And luckily, I left that early that day. Because if I hadn't have left early, I would have been driving home when the stroke happened. So. Mm. so how did you come to be on the board of Gunny's Warriors? I think it was it was weird. Being Army, my, my, my circle was Army veterans. Yeah. And then when I met Ryan, I met Doug. And Brenton, who are also board members. Okay. So I gained, I gained two other Marine brothers. And I think when, when they were forming everything, it was just kind of natural for Buck and Jan to reach out to the three of us. That's nice. So now you have more Marine friends to give a hard time to. Yes. Okay. Good. And that's always important. That's why God created well, friends. I, I can't give Brenton too much of a hard time because Brenton was infantry. Oh, okay. Well, then, yeah, he's sort of <laughs> So as Ryan donated his brain, is that something you've given much thought to? I've thought about it, yeah. Yeah. Especially since the stroke, which yeah. I, I learned more information about my TBI that oh, I didn't yeah, even know I had. Really? During, during the process of all the CT scans they did for the stroke. So. I'm told that the blast injury creates a different kind of scar tissue. So is I don't that think correct? I know how to pronounce it correctly. Astroglial scarring? Mm-hmm. You which is it. super, super tiny, and that you can't see it on most, or I don't think any Images. live scans. Right, right. Yeah. yeah. So, okay, so you're leaning in that direction, but you haven't made a decision yet about brain donation, or you're headed there. Right. Okay. I, got you know, I mean, I'm sure I will. I just haven't gone on and actually filled out the, the stuff on the website yet. I got you. I mean, if I really thought about it, there's... Probably five or six times that I was right there and just not injured in an IED between Afghanistan and Iraq. So there might be something in there that'll later on help somebody else. So, <laughs> and you know what? That's what everybody says, no matter what their situation when they're when they're considering brain donation, whether they've had a TBI or some kind of a brain injury, or whether they have a neuro disorder or not. Yeah, it's amazing. And I played played football in high school. Yeah, and so I'm from Buffalo, New York. Right? There's lots of times I slipped and fell on the ice and banged my head off the street. So, (laughs) oh man, you probably put it through some things, right? (laughs) I hear you, but it's amazing to me how generous people want to want to be when they feel like they can do something to help other folks. Yeah, 
Ryan always used the word tribe, describing his friends and people. And I think that's a big thing that veterans look for when you get out. Because the civilian world is not what you grew up in. Yeah. So you spend a lot of time searching for your tribe. The people you relate to. Yeah, I hear you. And sometimes they come from places that you hadn't expected, like some loud Marine, you know, that you might not want to take real seriously because who the heck is he? Right? Yeah. yeah. Sounds like you guys had a kind of a special friendship. We did, cool. yeah. And we argued about everything. Yeah. As you should. Yeah. Yeah. There was a period of time he he lived here with with, with, with my family for about three months when he was going through a transition period of his own. Yeah. So. That'll get you close to people. Oh, yeah. He didn't understand because I'm having two kids. My rule was food doesn't go upstairs. If you're going to eat, you eat in the kitchen. And Ryan came down and made sandwiches one night. I was like, where are you going? <laughs> I'm going to go play my video game and eat this. I'm like, no, because your video game is upstairs in my house. <laughs> <laughs> rules are rules, huh? Yeah. Yeah, that's funny. Did he did he talk to you at all about his decision to donate his brain? No. He didn't. He kept that pretty quiet, huh? Yeah, it was never never really something. I knew he had what is it, the oral migraines. Yeah. What do you call them? Yeah. Yeah. But you know, beyond just, hey, are you okay right now, bro? Do you need me to drive? Sit on, relax kind of stuff. So we never got too far into brain donation. And I didn't learn anything about really until after the fact. When Once he had made the decision, yeah. Yeah. It, it's the DOD has a really good brain bank that they worked with. We work with the brain banks of the NIH, and it doesn't really matter to me where people donate their brains as, as long as they do it. But the nice thing is that we're able to take brains from all kinds of people, not just those sorts of injuries or diseases, but also pe- people that don't have them. So it's another way to help them support. Right. But, but let me ask you some more things about your recovery. So you've been through heart attack, the stroke, the burns, all this stuff. How well, do you- the heart attack, I didn't even know I had. I was just told about that after, as I was in the burn ward. Yeah, that's a lot. And you're not an old guy. I'll be 42 next month. That's a lot of stuff to put your body through. How do you think it affects? affects your psyche to be able to keep coming back from this kind of stuff. Part of it is, I guess, accepting when when you do recover from something like being blown up and your hands not working right and everything else, it kind of gives you the sense of, I survived that, I'm invincible. And then when something puts you up, that put something else puts you down, you're like, oh, damn, maybe I'm not. Yeah. The big thing with the stroke was losing the ability to drive until I was medically cleared again, which that's, that takes away your independence. You're now dependent on somebody else to get places. That, that's pretty rough. Was it rough on you emotionally at that point? Yeah, because I, I, was, I was pretty active. I was either at work, running up and down the hills, or I was at the forge teaching people how to make knives. So I was constantly doing something else. I've not been one that just kind of sat around since I was 17 when I joined the Army. I hear you. And there's a little bit of, I guess, isolation that comes with it because my son's still in school. My wife had to go to work. So it was me and my two dogs. Yeah. Thank God for them. Exactly. Yeah. Do you feel like they were helpful? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I'm one of the, I, I like dogs more than most people anyway. So. <laughs> Sound like my sister. She says the same thing. So were you shocked when you heard about Ryan? Or were you thinking this is probably going to catch up with him sooner or later? The stroke? Yeah. 
I was a little shocked, but there had been a few episodes prior, and I don't know how much the family shared with you, so I'm not going to go into too much detail because I don't remember it all, but he had some issues with high heart rates and high blood pressure and everything else. Okay. You know, which, which again, can contribute to all of it, too. Right. I, I teach battlefield trauma management. I don't, I'm not a medical professional at all, so. <laughs> right. Stop bleeding and make them start breathing again, and then send them to a hospital. Then hand them off to somebody else, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I know. I know that my son was an EMT for a while. And every time I ask him medical questions, he's like way beyond my pay grade. I just keep him alive and send him to somebody else. So I know what you mean. That had to, that had to be a, a real tough loss, though, for you, because not only because of the guy he was, but the fact that he helped you bridge that gap and he made you be his friend. And even though you hadn't been together that long, that had to be a tough loss. Yeah, even in such a short period of time, the, the, we were we were friends through some pretty heavy transition periods of, I guess, a lot of his life, some of the bigger ones. When he went through his divorce and everything else, that was, and then some other stuff with another relationship, which is what eventually led to him living with us. Gotcha. And there was a few times where I had to revert back to the old school tough love. Yeah. Like I walked into his room one day, right above the room I'm sitting in now. Yeah. He was not in a good space. I just shoved him back under the bed. I was like, Hey, wake up. It's time to stop this shit. Yeah. And you know what? When guys have that kind of relationship with each other, when they can talk to each other like that, that's so meaningful. You know what I mean? It gets it yeah. done. It gets it done. And it gets it done in a language that you guys are used to. You know what I mean? When you've been in the military. So that's that's awesome. Well, and when you, you also discuss that stuff amongst each other. So everybody, when you have friends that are mostly veterans, where you're coming from, because everybody tells their war stories. So you understand he's been through some of the stuff that I've been through, too. Yeah. You can't help but bond over that. So, you know, yeah. I mean, everybody has their part to play. We like to, we, we, we definitely pick on each other a lot, all branches and jobs and everything else. Right. Everybody has their part to play. I, I could not do a lot of those softer jobs. I couldn't do it. Yeah. I'd lose my temper. I, I was at, I was at Bansy the other day here in San Antonio and there was a, a an older spouse, probably mid seventies. And she was just losing her mind yelling at one of the, one of the pharmacy techs. Hmm. And every part of me wanted to just get up and go over to her. Right. The only reason you're even allowed here is because you married somebody that served. Get out. But <laughs> I know it's hard to it's hard to not do yeah. that sometimes. I she guess. finally calmed down a little bit. So. Yeah, I guess. one of the pharmacists came up and he's like, "Hey, I'm Doctor So and So," and that calmed her down because she felt like she was talking to somebody important then. <laughs> but she didn't want anything to do with the pharmacy techs. It's a shame. That's a shame. Well, Tim, I'm glad I got to know you a little bit here. I appreciate you sharing your feelings about Brian. I get the impression from his family and a lot of other people that he was a really special guy. I'm glad he touched you the way he did. It was intense. I mean, that was one of the things, you know, at at first, it's like, whoa, step back a minute, guy, calm down. Because I'm 6'3 and 250 pounds. Brian was about 6'3. We were pretty close in height. If anything, I might have been like a half inch taller than him. Right. Pretty much the same in weight. And he's just a big, very overbearing kind of guy. Loud, always loud. And it's like, calm down initially at first. He's an overwhelming guy to hang out with. But, you know, as you build a rapport, everything kind of settles out. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, thanks for sharing the story, dude. I wish you all the best. I know you're heading off on a big adventure this yeah. weekend. And I, if you don't mind, I may check in with you afterwards to see see what it oh, did. For sure. Yeah. Okay. Thanks, Tim. Take care. No problem. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you to our guest, Tim Voss, Army vet, board member of Gunny's Warriors, and last injury survivor. 
Tim's friend Ryan had a blast injury also, and his death inspired Gunny's Warriors. Ryan's parents donated his brain to neuroscience research and started the nonprofit to help other vets know about the need for brain donation to understand the effects of these injuries. Brain donation is critically needed to advance the science of other diseases and disorders as well. For more information, please visit braindonorproject.org. Thanks for joining us this week on the Coming Home Well podcast with your guest host, Tish Hevel. If you enjoyed this podcast, please share with others, post about it on social media, or leave a rating and a review. If you're interested in pre-registering for brain donation, please visit braindonorproject.org. Follow us on Instagram at Podcast underscore BTS. Thank you for listening to Coming Home Well.